Welcome to The Feminine Frequency. I'm your host, Amy Natalie, women's empowerment coach, feminine embodiment guide, and creator of The Feminine Codes. This podcast is designed to awaken your feminine energy, elevate your frequency, and empower your mindset. We cover everything from increasing your confidence, trusting your intuition, deepening intimacy in your relationships, and magnetizing abundance into your life. Each week, you'll receive a new episode filled with feminine wisdom and inspiration to remind you of the magic that already lives inside of you. Ready to dive in? Let's do this, sister. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to this guest episode of The Feminine Frequency with my guest, Humble the Poet, where we're going to be talking about all things embracing imperfection and loving your way to a better life. This conversation is all about cultivating deeper self-love and through that, cultivating deeper connections in your relationship and really going through the world and going through your life from a deeply loving place and from a more empowered place. So I'm excited to share this wisdom with you. And before we dive in, I want to invite you, if you have not already downloaded, I have a free gift for you and it is a morning ritual that is designed to support you to feel embodied and empowered before you start the day. So in this 20 minute audio guide, you get access to some embodiment practices, meditation, and some affirmations to feel empowered. And you can find this free gift in the link in the show notes. Just click the link and enter your email and it will get delivered to your inbox. So enjoy the morning ritual. And now I will introduce our speaker for today. Humble the Poet is a Canadian-born rapper, spoken word artist, poet, internationally best-selling author, and former elementary school teacher. What began as reciting spoken word poetry in coffee shops to impress women evolved into a creative adventure that has spanned the last 10 years, crossing genres, mediums, and oceans. His first two releases, Unlearn and Things Nobody Can Teach Us, have become international bestsellers. In this episode, we are talking about his new book, How to Be Loved, Simple Truths for Going Easier on Yourself, Embracing Imperfection, and Loving Your Way to a Better Life. I really appreciated this conversation and found so much wisdom and value and just really appreciated the heart-centered space in which Humble shared about this body of work, and I'm excited to share it with you. So enjoy this episode, and we will see you on the other side. Hello, Humble. Welcome to The Feminine Frequency. I'm really excited to have you here and to dive into this conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Even in just the the few minutes of chatting before we hopped on live, I can really, yeah, feel both your authenticity and your passion for your work. So um, I know that we're going to have a, yeah, really awesome conversation and looking forward to really learning more about your journey and your story. So um We'll start by just sharing that you have a book coming out. Um, it might even be out already by the time this podcast is is live. So yeah, I would love for you to just share a little bit more about the the premise of the book and to to get us started there. 
Yeah. So here's the book. It's called How to Be Loved. And as you can see, the D is in parentheses. Um, so it's the idea that to be loved, we have to be loved. And uh, after a failed relationship of my own, I uh, took a super deep dive during the pandemic to try to better understand uh, at that point why I thought I was a failure at love. And uh, through that journey of reading every poet, every psychologist, every philosopher, every love guru, every dating coach, um, I started to pick up on patterns in terms of realizing that my understanding and a lot of people's understanding of what love really is, is a little bit skewed and informed by religion, tradition, society, media, Disney, porn, all of that stuff really has an impact on what we understand love to be. Um, and I realized that I wasn't lacking love in my life. I was lacking the ability to realize love. And um, for all the books that I write, the general theme is unlearning. It's, it's letting go of old ideas to to gain more. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm the kid at the front of the class taking thorough notes. And then my books are uh, those notes and sharing them in such a way that um, it's digestible for other people. Before all of this, I was an elementary school teacher. So mm. I have a lot of practice taking heavy ideas and, and making them light and uh, not using words bigger than mayonnaise. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So nothing like a breakup to be a catalyst for going deeper on this exploration around love and personal growth, right? Like breakups yeah. can be such huge catalysts for looking inwards and for seeing, you know, what's out of alignment, what's not working for me, what do I want instead, or what can I learn from the quote unquote failure, right? Um, so take us back to that experience going through that breakup and being on this, you know, this search, this quest for, for truth and for, yeah, your own understanding. Uh, what were some of the, the key lessons that, that you learned during that time? Um, or yeah, what were some of the things that, that, some patterns that you were seeing that maybe had to shift for you. Yeah, completely. I think, you know, the big, the big thing I realized is I didn't have to be able to put it into words as to why I didn't feel like I was in the right situation. I think on paper, I had a perfect person, um, at least on the outside. And we're all kind of being pushed into this uh, for display purpose only culture where everything can look great on the outside. And even if we can't articulate why it doesn't feel good on the inside, I, I was with a, an amazing person for a number of years. Um, and as I said, there wasn't a, there wasn't an inch of toxicity. There wasn't any drama. Um, there just wasn't an alignment that I could just feel, you know, I was, it was a lot of anxiety and it was manifesting itself in my behavior. It was manifesting itself in the stress that I was carrying It was manifesting itself. Um, and my ability not to be, you know, pleasant to be around. And um, actually, you know, I, I, I was already, you know, kind of flirting with the idea of exploring a book about love. And I think the initial research kind of helped me realize, like, oh, you're not in the situation that you need to be in. And what you also realize is when you end a relationship, you're not, it's not necessarily ending the relationship with that person. You're actually trying to end the relationship with that version of yourself that's in that relationship. And I realized that version of myself wasn't a person I wanted to be um, in the direction I would have to head to maintain that relationship from a family standpoint, from a 
logistical standpoint, from a you know living smaller standpoint, wasn't somebody I I was excited to be, and um, I had to I had to end the relationship, and um, probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I think previous to this, um, I was an extremely typical guy in terms of I just you know you just pull away you pull away until the other person gets the picture and then they dump you and then you tell yourself that you're the victim this was the first time that I had to like sit down and like say this is over um and then at that point um you know having endless doubts in my mind whether I made the right decision or not and making all the short-term gratification healing decisions uh, immediately after um this book really helped me you know the the journey of, of researching this book and uh exploring myself really helped me realize that this, this love isn't an external thing that i'm going to ever find through a relationship with somebody um i love the peter cronin concept of you don't say i love you you say you show me where love is and you know we build pathways of love between us and other people uh including us and ourselves and us and our favorite activities um and that love is always there it's it's the breeze and the work that we need to do isn't to find the breeze is to open it open ourselves and i realized very quickly that i had not any no practice opening my sails and uh you know as a as a as a heterosexual male my biggest challenge was like I grew up in a household where it was signaled to me that vulnerability was a weakness. You know, mm. I grew up in a loving, supportive family, but they were first generation immigrants in survival mode. When you're in survival mode, most emotions lean towards the negatives because that's what keeps us alive. Um, and it was only through therapy and, and research for this book that I realized that I had a lot of emergency coverage. My, my family would have my back in the worst situations. But on a day-to-day basis, they weren't, I didn't feel comfortable leaning on them for support. Um, and I kind of created a fortress to protect myself, not realizing that fortress was a prison. And that mm. prison kept me in, it kept everybody out. Um, authentic connections weren't being made. Um, and tension would just build up until, you know, I would I would explode. And that became a really a really big realization for me. And uh, it was through a lot of shadow work and, and, and therapy that I, that I started taking a deeper dive and understanding why I was making the decisions I was making, how often they were matching the flavors of previous traumatic experiences and how those being left unresolved um, would have just doomed me to a life of patterns that were going to constantly harm me. Mm. Yeah, it is so courageous to be the one to end a partnership and to listen to that inner knowing of something is out of alignment here, even when there's nothing on the surface, you know, toxicity, fighting, all of those things. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it feels even like harder to make that decision, right? Because most people would stay because it looks good on the outside because it's safe because it's working, quote unquote. But when you have that inner turmoil of that anxiety and just this knowing that like either I don't like the version of that I am of myself that I am in this relationship. And also like 
this isn't the most aligned relationship for me, which ultimately would mean that it's not the most aligned relationship for the other person, whether they could see it or not in the moment. And yeah, this quest that you went on to really uncover, you know, some of these patterns around vulnerability and opening your heart to authentic connection and seeing some of the past trauma patterns from your childhood replaying in relationships. I mean, this is the work. This is the work that I believe we're all being asked to do so that we can create healthy, sustainable, honest, authentic relationships rather than the fairy tale version. And you mentioned that earlier, that that's a big piece in your book that you, that you're helping us to unlearn some of these stories and these illusions of what we've been taught is love. And so I'd love for you to elaborate on that a little bit more of what are some of those stories that are not serving us or the illusions that that we perceive as love or the ways that we seek love externally, but that are not authentic, true love? Yeah. Um, Ross and Rachel are not love, you know. Um, <laughs> the the most interesting couples you'll see on television are, are there to entertain you. Um, they're not there to show you what a healthy relationship is. Because uh, most healthy relationships will feel like peace and peace would make for, you know, very uneventful television and film. So all this cat and mouse kind of, you know, relationships that we see, what we're seeing is people with unhealthy attachment styles. We're seeing people with avoiding attachment styles, meeting people with anxious attachment styles. Um, and the, their back and forth is this story. You know, um, I'm, I moved to L.A. to get into uh, TV and film writing. And the big thing that you learn is you take a character and you just beat the crap out of them. That's that's every movie you've ever seen. It's just a character getting beat the crap out of in some capacity. They're trying to do one simple thing and they're just getting beat the crap out of. Um, and that's what you're seeing in a relationship. These two people are trying to get together and just all the wrong things will continually happen and continually happen. And then, you know, from that capacity, that sets the tone of what we think relationships need to be. Um, our earliest role models and relationships are often those that raised us. And again, when we're children and we don't even have a fully developed brain, you know, we don't understand that these people who raised us, whether they're our parents or any other adults, are imperfect. And we would internalize everything they did personally because we didn't realize that they had completely different lives outside of us. So mom and dad can come home from work and have a bad day, take it out on you. But, you know, if you're a 12-year-old kid, you don't know the context of that. So for you, you start to think it's your fault and you start making these subconscious adjustments, you know, uh, coping mechanisms, um, behavioral modifications to kind of, you know, keep the peace. Um, and then you signal this idea that you have to earn love. You have to earn their love. You have to be something to win them over. Um, and then as we get older, we don't update our software. And then, you know, we find ourselves drawn to people who make us feel that same way. You know, we, that whole old quote of, we adore those who ignore us and ignore those who adore us. And it's because as when we were younger, you know, and we didn't have developed brains, we were signaled this idea that you have to earn love. You have to win love. You have to qualify for love and combine that with the fact that we're in a society that runs off the idea that you have to buy stuff to be happy. You know, there's so many opportunities for them to you know, plant seeds in our head. Like you're not beautiful enough for love. 
You know, you're not rich enough for love. You don't have a six pack. You don't have, you know, your nails aren't done. Your hair is done. Whatever it may be, it's just all these things that they can sell us. They make us feel like we're not enough without that. And now we start to believe that there's, you know, and, and even in the positive space, people are constantly saying you're worthy of love. You're enough of love. But the truth is like worthy and enough are not, they're not measurements of a human being. You can't measure, you know, if, if I if I take a flower and pluck off two petals, it doesn't make it enough of a flower. It's still a flower. You're a person. I can chop off half your limbs and you're still a person. You know, there's no enoughness when it comes to a person. But we have, you know, it's suddenly been ingrained into us that we have to feel like we're enough. And we have to constantly chase this idea of perfection because also going back to entertainment, you know, we are constantly exposed to people expressing this level of perfection that we've never seen, you know, carefully curated versions of Beyonce or LeBron James or whoever it may be. You know, we see them exist in, in, in this world where nothing seems to be out of place. And now we all have our own little versions of that with social media, where now we're comparing are behind the scenes to everybody else's highlight reels. Everybody else looks so happy on social media. Um, but they're faking it the same way that we're faking it. You know, and as somebody in, in this wellness space, my DMs are full of people asking for help. And if you went through their profiles, it's just happiness and sports cars and trips to Greece and all that other nice, you know, sucking in their stomach when they take a photo or whatever, all that other stuff. You know, because again, we're just being encouraged again to, Looking happy feels more important than being happy. And, you know, these, these, these outward things really, you know, they, they really do a number on us when it comes to understanding what love is. Um, and then what it ends up doing is sabotaging meaningful connections that we have. You know, so many people believe in the spark, that there has to be the spark. There's studies that have shown, like, I think the study had 1,100 couples that have been together for over a decade. And out of those 1,100 couples, less than 8% have any uh, moment of a spark between them, you know? And uh, if you read the book Attached, which is a great, which, which is a great book on attachment styles, it says that the, the spark is a warning sign to run the other way. So if you do feel a spark, that's a warning to run the opposite way, not towards the person. Because that spark is probably signaling that they are uh, matching the flavor of a trauma you had growing up. And, you know, that explains our mommy and daddy issues. Again, we all choose familiarity over what's healthy. You know, I have I have extremely wealthy friends eating junk food because they grew up eating that same junk food. And it feels like childhood. It feels like Saturday morning cartoons. And they stick with it, you know, even though it's not good for them and they could afford better options. Um, it's the same thing with people. You know, if we don't build just a level of awareness of like, oh, I'm stuck in a pattern, you know, this guy who who always feels like he's just you know an, an arm length away you know i find him so attractive and this guy who's completely available to me i find him completely unattractive maybe that rhymes with what was happening when i was a kid because that's what it felt like with dad that's what it felt like with my brother that's what it felt like, what have you um so a lot of our earliest role models were not perfect and just as adults we just have to have that conversation be like it's okay that they weren't perfect they didn't mess us up they just they were humans and very often, uh, especially for children of immigrants um, and other parents as well, it's just they were in survival mode. Their their job was to put food on the table, not not necessarily, you know, uh, commit to a life of, of 
of producing a emotionally healthy child. These weren't things my parents had no idea what that stuff was, you know, and I can see them now as grandparents uh, to my sister's kids doing a much better job, but also they're retired. They're not, they're not in survival mode anymore. So now they can, you know, the same mother that was, you know, who would get upset with me over the littlest things, you know, could spend an hour following my niece around the backyard doing whatever mm -hmm. she wants to do. Right. But the context has changed. And I think that's really important to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think just acknowledging, like you said, if, if people are in survival mode or they don't have the tools, or even like, if we look at where consciousness has, how much consciousness has shifted in the collective since our parents were children or since we were children, like we're living in a whole different frequency, a whole different understanding of consciousness that our parents didn't have access to, or definitely not as much access to as we did. And so I even see some of, you know, my friends who are becoming moms and just recognizing like the role of a parent is not easy and stack that on top of life stressors or financial stressors and all these things like parents can do the best that they can. And they're never going to be able to meet all of the needs that you might have. Right. And so, yeah, this, this acknowledgement that our patterns do come from our childhood and it's our, I believe that it is our work. It is part of the spiritual path to look at these patterns, to be with them, to unlearn them and to learn a new way rather than spending, you know, our lifetime being pissed off that our parents didn't give us what we wanted, right? We're not a victim to these patterns. Everyone experiences this in some way. And so it can be really empowering to be like, yeah, like I have these patterns from my childhood and I have the power to do the work to transform and to heal and to transcend these so that I can create authentic, healthy relationships moving forward. And so I can stop attracting people who match this toxic or wounded pattern that I've had from my past. And I share this because I, I personally have definitely experienced, you know, I've experienced all the different attachment styles. Mm -hmm. um, I've been, you know, anxious, attached, anxious, avoidant. I've been avoidant. I've, I've really felt like in different relationships, I've been faced with, with different patterns or different parts of me that, that come through. And what, what has been really beautiful is that when those patterns come up, being able to recognize them. And instead of projecting that it's because of this other person, it's like, oh, can I get really curious about this pattern? And can I be with myself in this anxiety? Can I see what's here for me? And can I choose to not take action from that place? Or can I choose to not react to mm. this pattern, which is a lot easier said than done because it's, it's a nervous system response. This is like a biologically learned thing that, that our bodies and our brains, like, you know, are, are imprinted when we're younger. And so it does, it takes a lot of awareness and compassion and presence with the emotions that are coming up in the body, um, to be able to shift the pattern. So I know that a big piece of your book is, is talking about how do we cultivate real authentic love? And, and my, my understanding is that, Part of that is, is getting out of this toxic belief that we need this, you know, to, to be worthy of love externally. So what does this look like when, when we're unlearning these old patterns and, and wanting to cultivate healthier ideas and 
beliefs around love? What is the new paradigm? What does that look like? So I think I, I love the way you framed it, um, you know, in terms of picking up on these patterns. So I think the the first thing in this paradigm is, and this is the subtitle of the book, uh, going easier on yourself and embracing imperfection. Um, you know, not only going, you know, for us to, 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 once we go easier on ourselves we can go easier on others. So I have, I have a, you know, this book is 68 chapters. Every chapter is only two pages and I take an idea and I explore it, um, the way it needs to be explored. And one of the chapters is, um, you know, love is being your own nurturing parent. So, you know, it's, it's not enough for us to simply say, okay, this is how my home life, uh, set me on a course and, you know, or let's be simple. This is how my home life messed me up. You know, that still is a victim mindset. And and the challenge with the victim mindset is victim to self-pity is fast food connection. It's creating a connection with yourself very quickly, very easily uh, and cheaply. It's not a lot of work to do so. And it's like nobody understands what I'm going through except for me. And that's the dangers of self-pity. Um, the challenge with self-pity is there's no empowerment. There's no empowerment when we feel sorry for ourselves. So it's recognizing, like, okay, I was raised by flawed human beings who were trying their best with the tools that they had and here are the gaps and now i am going to empower myself to fill in those gaps i can be the nurturing parent i need to be um, i can do those things and you know and that can be everything from like self-havening which is you know the the process of hugging yourself and you know the putting yourself in therapy you know uh you know taking yourself out to Disneyland, doing all the things that you think you need to do. Like there's an, there's an option for that to happen now. Um, and the awareness is the gift, you know, this doesn't, you know, I, I know you said, you know, easier said than done. Everything on this planet is easier said than done. And, um, you know, I, I, I talk about this book being the simplest book on love. Again, simple doesn't mean easy. Um, and I think it's really important to understand that it is going to take work, but work is what makes life worth it. You know, if you if you go to the gym and you had an easy day, it probably wasn't a really good day at the gym. And it's the same thing when it comes to our day to day lives. Like it's it's good to lean into challenges and having this journey of realizing love. So I think, you know, the first step is to realize love isn't something that you have to find. It's just something that you have to realize. And most often it's all around you, just like that breeze. And the work that you're doing is understanding that you are both a source and you can receive this by creating pathways. And the way that I like looking at it is the same ways that we yearn for love externally from other people and the same things that we're willing to do in that relationship with somebody else is what we can completely do with ourselves. You know, we can take ourselves out on dates. Um, we can become much more intimate with ourselves physically. Um, we can express much more gratitude for ourselves, you know, look in the mirror, look at your body naked and not look at it with a critical lens, you know, pick your favorite part mm -hmm. of your body and say, I, you know, that's my favorite part and understand that this body, this vessel has been with us since day zero and trying its very best to do everything it can to keep us upright. You know, if we have bad posture, it adjusts. We eat bad food, it adjusts. There's so much gratitude that can be done, even though we're constantly looking at ourselves in the mirror saying, I wish my stomach was flatter. I wish my arms were bigger. I wish my butt was bigger or whatever people care about in, in that context. 
Um, take yourself out on dates, you know, get to know yourself. I, I bookended all the, all the, all the, all the sections, there's three sections in this book. There's, there's what is love, love for self, love for others. And I bookended each section with love stories, but every love story is, is extremely non-conventional. So I'm, I'm challenging the Ross and Rachel's, Whitney's and Bobby's of the world. Um, I don't watch enough TV now to know who the modern romance is. But, um, <laughs> There's there's one story in here where I it's called Lonely Dances and and the whole story is about a girl who I felt a very deep connection with after first uh, one date and she was very difficult to get a hold of afterwards and then it took about two weeks to get a second date and then again very difficult to get a hold of and it was, it was extremely frustrating um, and then you know she explained her boundaries she explained you know that she's the, she's very in tuned and can, can attune to people's emotions and how exhausting it is. And, um, I, out of frustration, I was like, look, you know, don't you get lonely? And she's, you know, and, and trying to say like, you know, don't push me away. You're just going to make yourself lonely. And she goes, I do get lonely. And I'm like, so what are you going to do about this? She goes, I dance. She goes, whenever I feel lonely, I dance and I connect with myself. And, you know, I immediately, I, I left her alone after that because I realized she's operating on a frequency that I still have a lot of work to get to. Um, you know, she, she wasn't playing games with me. She was establishing boundaries, understanding what she, what she had bandwidth for and understood that, you know, the antidote to loneliness is not having people around, it's connection because everyone has felt lonely in a crowded room. And she created a connection with herself in a healthy manner. So, you know, where I, where I brought up self-pity being this fast food level of it, dance, feeling your body, becoming one with yourself, you know, understanding every little nook and cranny of who you are, that's establishing a meaningful connection. And it's also vulnerability. Vulnerability is the big thing that I've realized is the currency for connection. And as my very smart therapist has called me out, she said, you crave a deep connection that you sabotage by not being vulnerable. You know, mm. and again, it's me unlearning the idea that vulnerability is a weakness. And again, it's, it's, it's ingrained, it's tattooed into my DNA at this point. And I have to constantly be aware of it. So even when I, when I'm operating on autopilot and subconscious, I go back to the old ways. And, you know, this is happening through, you know, practice of surrender, different medicine journeys you know, different experiences with, with different people. And then also being mindful of like the frequency that your, your listeners are trying to operate on is not the common frequency. So by default, if you're trying to find tribe, you know, the vast majority of people you're coming across haven't explored this journey yet. So that makes it even more isolating. So that means, you know, um, without any disrespect to anybody, you know, the next nine people I meet aren't going to be on this journey. And then it's very mm -hmm. easy, uh, especially as a guy, you know, to, to, to overlook that and be like, oh, well, okay. The self-awareness may not be there or the commitment to progress may not be there, but that's a very symmetrical face. And, you know, and there's other things going on there. So I'm just going to go for it. And then, you know, Two weeks later, you realize how that bites you in the ass. And I think there's that there's that also that challenge 
Uh, I think it's a Carl Jung quote where if you want to go from a bad place to a better place, you have to go through a worse place. And I think that's part of this journey is 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 the most difficult, which is there's going to be a reset or there's going to be a full stop before you can start operating and, and, and committing to this, which means it's going to be less people you can connect with. It's really going to be the true inconvenient definition of quality over quantity. And um, mm. that can be really frustrating at times. Um, so that's why a lot of this work has to be done internally. And um, the big, the big differential that I, that I try to focus on in the book is self respect versus self-esteem, self-esteem being what you get from others, self-respect being what you get from yourself. And pretty much saying the more you focus on self-respect, the less you're going to need self-esteem and vice versa. And, and and sharing some some interesting stories of some interesting people I've met who have embodied that extremely well. And again, the the premise, the, the overarching spirit of this is to go easy on yourself. So when we realize like, oh yeah, I have been chasing so much outside validation, that doesn't mean something's wrong with you. That doesn't mean you messed up, you know? That's okay, this, this is a good starting point. Be easy on yourself, you know? Um, Another chapter in the book is called Love is Being Your Own Best Friend. Again, what is what is a best friend? A best friend is your your best cheerleader and it's also someone who'll kick you in the butt to get up and, and make something happen. And I think it's the same thing where it's like, okay, recognizing that I have been counting likes and comments and follows, all this external stuff, not realizing that it's an algorithm. It's not even people that decide what is 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 gonna give me that, you know, and yesterday I posted a picture of me and my puppy and it did this much. And then the next day I posted a picture of me in a bathing suit and it did this much. And now suddenly I'm thinking more bathing suit pictures. Or then I post pictures of things that I shouldn't be sharing, which are part of my private life. And I got even more attention. So now I'm going to chase that. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a big fear to that because that feels like love. It's fast food love. And if we start to let that go and focus on self-respect and be like, well, what do I have to do to respect myself? What do I have to do to be proud of myself? And often that recipe is, again, very simple, but not very easy. And it's leaning into challenges, doing hard things. For me, it's sitting in the ice, taking cold showers, um, keeping my promises to myself. If I said I'm going to wake up at a certain time, I got to wake up, um, you know, and that's in, in line with being easy, going easy on ourselves. I think it's really important. And also measuring progress over perfection, you know. There is no perfect. And if there was perfect, there'd be no vulnerability and there'd be no connection. So there's no such thing as a perfect person. Um, and we can always be in a place of progress. So, you know, this is coming out in the new year. Let's not set New Year's resolutions. Let's set New Year's intentions. Let's just pick directions we want to head mm. and let them be lifelong. Let's not let them be these kind of finish line ideas. I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to make this much money. You know, I need to have this much done, you know, um, when writing this book, I think I, I, an example of that, you know, in the beginning, it was, I need to do a thousand words a day. And, you know, I woke up, started banging on the keyboard and I found myself forcing the thousand words, you know, um, and then I switched to make it intentional, which is I need to do one hour of uninterrupted writing whether I get one word on the page, 10,000 words on the page, the victory comes if the one hour was un, uh, uninterrupted. If I didn't switch windows, mm. if I didn't look at my phone, because that was actually a challenge. Because I could 
put filler words. I can make my story longer. I could add a bunch of adjectives and give me a thousand words. And through that, and then I measured it. You know, I, I, I printed out a little elementary school calendar. I, I posted it up on my wall. And then every day I would just put a smiley face if I got my work done and I put an X if I didn't. And then I would, I learned about framing. Like, you know, if I didn't get my work done today, does that make it a bad day? Maybe. But if I frame it in the week and I didn't get my work done one day out of the seven, that's not so bad. And then maybe if I look at the zoom out and frame it as a month, maybe it's three days out of the 30. That's not bad at all. And I think very often, you know, failure is a frame. It's just how we frame it, you know, and um, these are really important things. It's just all of them are just adjustments to our perspective. There's, there's no adjustments to our actual reality. The exact same things can be happening. Um, and doing this through a lens of love is realizing that it's not about acquiring new things. You know, as I said, unlearning is is always the umbrella of everything that Humble the Poet does. It's the idea that you have to let go to gain more. You know, love is at the bottom of the pile of all this shit that we have. The work that we're doing is clearing, clearing the path. We don't have to get anything. We don't have to be anything. We don't have to do anything. You know, you've held a baby in your hand for the first time and, and been flooded with love that baby didn't do anything you know that baby didn't earn your love that baby didn't you know win you over um you know and then also that baby for the next four or five years will not reciprocate anything you provide for it you know love doesn't love is not transactional it's not required you know you don't need that every single person that you love in your life right now including everyone listening think about the person that 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 shows you the most love or that helps you realize the most love, you can list every one of their imperfections and none of those imperfections disqualify them from your love. So why do we think our imperfections disqualify us from other people's love? You know, and again, it's all this, this, this external stuff. Cause we, we live in a world where like everybody is addicted to attention. And again, that, and that, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Because that attention is still a, it's, it's an evolved, no, I don't use the word evolved, but it came from, you know, us being in smaller tribal communities where acceptance from the rest of the tribe decided whether we actually survived. Because they kicked us out of the tribe, we would die. So now rejection feels like death because it's that same software. Our software, our biological evolution is way slower than the way our environment has evolved. And simply understanding that the feelings of rejection feel like death, but it doesn't actually mean death, is enough awareness for us to lean in and accept rejection as other people's Mm -hmm. stories. And I think that's a really important thing when going on this journey of life, being like, hey, look, at the end of the day, I'm literally an iPhone 8. And I came with all this old software and there's no way to to delete it. And all of this software is getting in the way now in my modern life. I don't live in a small society. Um, My reputation does not connect to my survival anymore. I don't need to be a part of the tribe. I'm no longer part of a hierarchy. You know, this isn't middle school anymore. There isn't a coolest kid in the class. All of those days are done. Um, I'm in a big city and and I can be whoever I want to be. And if people don't like me, I can move three blocks away and 
start all over and that's great and that's fine. And as long as I'm happy with who I am in my skin, that's all actually that matters. And that will attract people of like-mindedness and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's that authentic, quiet confidence that we so often mix with that loud cockiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. So much deep wisdom in that share. And I know that you have even more to offer in your book. So I'm excited to, yeah, offer this to my community and make sure that everyone gets to dive in and learn more from you. And yeah, just so many beautiful insights. And I think ultimately, you know, this, this desire for, for external love, you know, we are, you know, connection-based beings. We, we, it's not that we have to live alone or be isolated, but I think that the, the unlearning process and then relearning through this place of authentic self-love and self-respect and then allows us to attract the people, whether that is a romantic partner or the aligned sisterhood or brotherhood or community that is a match for how we feel about ourselves, right? And so the more that we keep cultivating the sense of deep love, like you said, through whether it's the mirror work or taking yourself out on a date or you know, I love the the act of like writing yourself a love letter is a really sweet one, or there's so many different ways that we can really be cultivating this, this practice of self-love. And then that's what the frequency that you're putting out, that's what you're, you're becoming a match for is other people who have done the work and who also, yeah, are, are going to see you and, and love you unconditionally as well too. So, um, I'm super grateful for, for your shares here today and for everyone who wants to find your book, where is the best place for them to find it and to stay connected with you? Um, so the book is available everywhere. Books are available, uh, Amazon, mm-hmm. Barnes and Noble, wherever you are in the world. I mean, Waterstones in the UK, um, Australia, India, we're, we're, we're everywhere. Um, and then if you need to find a specific link, you can just go to humblethepoet.com slash love. And um, I have all the links for everywhere around the world that the book is available. It's also available in audio. Uh, I read the whole book. Um, some of it is very emotional. So I had to, I had to read the last chapter. I had to read the first chapter last because it was so emotional and that took the longest time. So, and we left that all in the audio. So the audio is an extremely vulnerable version of this book. If you want to check that out. Well, thank you again for being here. We're going to link everything in the show notes for your book, how to be loved and for your Instagram and your website. So everyone can find all your info and thank you again for your time and for your work in the world. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you found value from this conversation, I invite you to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. You can tag me at Amy Natalie Co. I always love hearing from you. Send me a message. Let me know your takeaways. Also, I have a beautiful free gift for you. If you have not already downloaded the Empowered Feminine Morning Ritual, it is a 20-minute audio guide for you to listen to in the morning to start your day feeling empowered and embodied. You can find the link for that recording 
in the show notes. And lastly, if you are a regular listener here and you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to leave a rating and a review. This is the best way to support this podcast in reaching more women around the world. To leave a rating and a review, you can scroll down on the podcast app on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes and leave a quick review to share what you love most about this podcast and how it has impacted your life. Thanks again for being here and we'll see you next Monday for another episode of The Feminine Frequency.